BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello and welcome to Flintoff Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. That's me, Matthew Side. Some more meaty topics. We're going to talk about Sports Personality of the Year. Andy Burnham is going to join us to talk Brexit. Don't forget you can use the hashtag FredSavSide to get in touch through the week. But before we get going, let's do what we always do and find out what we've been up to over the previous week. And shall I start with this one, given that Robbie's looking at his phone and Fred's doing the shoelaces up? So I've been at Centre Parks this weekend. Have you? With with the family, Ted and Evie, with my parents as well. I did something I have never done before. Go Uh, in. Brush your teeth. (laughs) Straight in, straight in. Put the ordinance on. (laughs) Put the ordinance on. (laughs) What anything else, Fred? Uh, Oh, no, the list is endless. No, no, come on, tell me. One less close. I took... (laughs) I, t- I said to Cathy on the Friday afternoon, I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to turn it off for the whole wow. weekend. And Cathy said, yeah, sure, you're going to do that. Didn't believe me. I turned it off. And it was a revelation because after a few minutes, for half an hour, I was like itching to put it on and see was what you? was going on on Twitter and all the rest of it. Is that what you missed, Twitter? Well, not, not so much Twitter. What were the breaking stories? Because you think to yourself, if something really big happens, I want to write a big column for yeah. the time. You're in centre parks. You're not in like, <laughs> you're not in the middle of the Atlantic. You're at centre parks. Yeah, there's Woburn. TVs, there's Wi-Fi, there's everything. Woburn Forest it was. And, um, but I've got to tell you, and I don't know how this will sound, but I spent time with Ted and Evie in a way that I hadn't really done properly in the past. I was listening to them and giving them my full attention. And Teddy actually said to me, where's your phone, Dad? Because so often he's talking and I'm messing around mm-hmm. with the phone. And it was a brilliant... Is it marvelous... Dad or Daddy? Both, actually. Dad and Daddy, he says. What, Daddy, yeah. Dad? It was a genuinely brilliant experience. Um, a couple of other things I've done this week. We go on. What about you? No, go on, carry on. What yeah. else have you done? Well, another thing that I did. The guy who gave me my big break in journalism is somebody called David Chappell. He's a sports former Chappie. sports editor at the time. Chappie, they call yeah. him. Former sports that. editor of the Times. Um, and I phoned Director Inquirers one nine two. Got through to the Times. Said, "Can I write a column?" And he said, "What? You know, you're a table tennis player." I said, "Yeah, but I want to transition." He gave me that platform, that chance. He left the Times, and he now runs. A vinyl record shop oh, in yes. Brighton, Fred. I've got to tell you, in Brighton, no, in Brighton, in Brighton, right That's, by the, right by the. That. It's fascinating. What vinyl records? Well, I used to, I used to work behind the record counter at Woolworths, didn't I? Kathy did at W H yeah. Smith. Yeah, I was at Woolworths, and my brother, he worked there as well. Massive into vinyl. Did you have a neck of penny suite. I think the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just sifting through vinyl yeah. records, just seeing, and even like selling them was just something nice about it. And I, I love like your Napsters and your Spotify's and all that, yeah. just having it at your fingertips. Yeah. But there's something really nice yep. about putting a record on. Yeah. I've not got a record player at home. My dad has, and a couple of friends have, and you put it on and it's that crackling yes. at the start. There's yeah. something really, really it was nice be- about Fred, it. Fred, it's beautiful because this shop was owned by somebody else who had it for 50 years. And they play the vinyls and you hear the crackling. It's a slightly richer sound. Yeah. And I went in there and this guy had done so much for me and I couldn't stop myself flicking through and I bought um, I bought Rubber Soul. 
Did you? Which was an original first printing. Um, I bought, um, do you remember Vienna by Ultravox? Oh, Vienna! Vienna. <laughs> and I bought four or five. I bought a Thriller, Michael you buy Jackson. Thriller? Uh, this yeah. is Thriller. Not, yeah. not quite yeah, the original, yeah. but you know. Yeah. Um, and it was oh, just wow. a brilliant time. Just spe- And I also, you know, that day... His partner, his new partner, Jane, works at a school, and I went and gave a little talk to the year sevens and then to the teachers. I bet they were loving that. So me and Cathy were sitting having dinner. She gave me that look of death. But the kids were like, oh, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> oh, you've had a good week then. It was really good. It was really good. But you guys have been busy. So I, I went to um, two stories, quick. Um, follow on from the podcast last week a little yeah. bit when we talked about you know the abuse people receive you know, tribal football. Yeah. Mm. Um, the Raheem Sterling. Which is a disgraceful, shocking, yeah. horrible. Um, so I went to the airport, um, landed in Barcelona. Um, Spurs fans on the plane. So, you know, the modern passport machines when you slide your passport. Which airport did you fly from? From Manchester. Manchester. Spurs fans on there? Yeah, because it was cheaper to go from Manchester. Right. Right. So you put your passport in the machine, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You stand there like the camera and you wait for your thing. Mine never works. Right. Mine never works. And usually in, in Manchester, <laughs> in Manchester, you go to a separate queue, don't you? Yeah. But the gentleman on the thing said, sorry, in the queue. And the queue was the proper passport control queue, which was massive. So yeah. I go and stand in it thinking, I'm saying, you know, my life's turned round, you know, <laughs> little things don't bother me. I'm kicking the floor. Yeah. Thing. Anyway, um, six Spurs fans must have tried the same thing and it didn't happen to them. They must have had the same problem. Yeah. So the queue's massive, it wasn't moving, so I thought, do you know what? I'm going to try it again. And as I'd done that, the six Spurs fans thought the same thing. And I heard one of them say, I'm not following that prick. Like oh, that. Oh, really? So I, I swear, so I've I've t- turned around and said, but you what? I said, what's the point of that? Yeah. I said, do you know what I mean? You don't totally know unnecessary. me. You don't know me. Unnecessary. So I just, I was like, who's, who's he? Like One of them said it, like I thought, do you mean? I, yeah. Anyway, went through. After the game, Barcelona, walking back to the hotel, because the hotel was walking distance, walked past the pub, the six Spurs fans really? were there again, right? So I'm walking past, they're having a beer, laughing, they see me walk past, as soon as I get past them, one shouts the C word. Really? C word, <laughs> all laughing. And I thought, and I was with other people, yeah. and there was the, people were there, and, and they were all looking at me, I thought, what, what, what is the, why, Yeah. why? So I thought, and I just thought, what? What? It's, t- it's, it's gratuitous. Ridiculous. Did, did you go and say something? No, I just thought, what's the point? Yeah. You know, this put it on a few lies. What's, yeah. what's the point? Six them together. Yeah. So that was that. You got a lighter story. What? And I've got, <laughs> lighter, I've got a lighter story, good. which brought me down to earth a little. Good that. Which brought me down to earth a little bit. So um, I went out for lunch on um, Friday with Andy Cole and Andrew Cole, yeah. who's, who's a lovely fellow. Went to Victor's in. in in Alderley. Um he texted me and said, I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be late. Um five minutes late. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there by the bar. I ordered a, a kiss candy, a bit of a, a what? <laughs> kiss candy. <laughs> what is it? It was it's a cocktail. So it's some um, vanilla vodka and then you put a, a, a candy floss in it. It's amazing. Oh. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm 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 agreeing with these Tottenham lads. <laughs> 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 so I'm sitting, sitting by the bar. So I'm sitting by the bar, and it's ten minutes late. The table's booked for half past. Yeah. It's now quarter two. I'm waiting. Oh. Anyway, so when you book the restaurant, you have to leave your name. 
at Victor's. You don't book at Victor's. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you if did, he opens yeah. the door when yeah. you get to it. No, Vic, no, the new Victor's. Oh, Victor's. Victor's, the new Victor's, which oh, is Hale as well. Yeah. So, um, I've left my name. I've left my number. Yeah. So yeah. when you book, um, yeah, it's um, Savage. Um, um, my first name, Robbie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you rolling your thinking, eyes? They're gonna know me. <laughs> yeah. Then my phone number. Anyway. So I'm sitting there, I walk in, and 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 the the girl on the counter says, um, "You some drinks?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking that she'd recognise me, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there, quarter to one. Look at me, watch. Come on, Coley, where are you? Anyway, so from here to the door, which is what five meters, yeah. is the is the counter where the young lady's on. Yeah. Anyway, my phone's on the bar. My phone rings. My phone rings. So I pick it up. It was all one six two five. Blah 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 blah. Went hello. And the young lady says, Mr. Savage, um, your table's booked for half 12. Um, where are you? <laughs> and I was sitting five. I went, I'm here. So they brought me right back down to her thinking, she didn't have a clue I was. So there's me walking in, me fake down, me big white teeth, gorgeous blue eyes, lovely blonde hair, thinking, she's whoa, whoa. Easy, Fabio. What time did Coley get there? Yeah, Coley was five minutes later, so it was hilarious. So then. Did they know who he was? What? Mr. Cole, come in, yeah. Mr. Nice Cole, yeah. yeah he's very nice. Yeah, goes, what, you're having lunch with him? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, a, it was funny, yeah. actually. It was funny. He's a great guy, isn't he, Andy? Great when guy. we did the Friday Legend. morning shows on a Legend. couple of times, great, right. great analysis of football. He's good. Third highest Premier League goal scorer ever. After Shearer. And is it Ooh. Rooney? Thierry Henry. Rooney, surely. Rooney, surely, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Pratt Lampard is fourth, I think. What about you, Fred? What have you been up to, mate? I'm just checking my calendar. What day is it today? What day are we on? Um, Monday. 17th. We're Monday. We've got an awards tonight. Did we do one last week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did one last With week. With Batman. Yeah, we did Batman, didn't we? Batman. Went so there. since then, I don't know what I've done. Um, I've had a mole cut off my head. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I've got two stitches in my head. I had a yeah. mole cut off. Why did you decide to have that done? You've had it all your life. Why did you decide to do it now? Because I've got a lot of moles. You know, I don't mind admitting yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. quite mole. <laughs> even even when the mole man checked me, he says, you've got a lot of moles, <laughs> haven't you? And he's seen some moles. Because no, I've got a load on my yeah. head. My wife, my wife has. She, so, she had a few cut off. Yeah. And because I've been out in the sun a lot, Oh, it was it was malignant, was it? So I, I have to get them all checked if any's changed in that. Wow. Yeah. There's two on my head here which have changed. So he said, you want them cut out? And I'm yeah. thinking, well, yeah, just to be safe. Yeah. But also, I'm not going to lie. I won't mind having these moles off the yeah. <laughs> middle of my head. I never noticed them. But then I, I went in. I, I went in and he cut them. Yeah. So I've gone back. He's put the anaesthetic in. I put my head back. And I can, you, you know he's doing it, but you can't feel it. And he stitched me up and he's put the mirror on. You take the wrong one off. <laughs> I wanted the big one off. <laughs> so he said, no, I'm going to do both of them. You have to come back for that one. Wow. Do you go back? Yeah, I'm going back. Right thing to do, though. Yeah, any, any moles changed, oh, get them absolutely. taken off. Absolutely. I went and had it checked out because, you know, I've got loads of moles and freckles on my scalp yeah. and I've got a shaved head, so the sun is yeah, often yeah. beating down on it. Very and, I went in, and the way he got it off was with a cryogenic spray. I had one there. Did you? Yeah. It's important, isn't it? Very to, to, important. Yeah. I went to see a dermatologist and it was I thought it was eczema. Yeah. I thought it was eczema, and basically, um, it didn't cream didn't clear it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? I don't know. It's a little no, noisy mode. So, um, went to see a dermatologist. Yeah. She looked through a, a, a like Telescope? a proper magnifying yeah. glass, and um, said, "Yeah, it's it's called something." 
Um, so she throws it off. Called something. Something. You're listening to me. Tell you what, mate. Is that Sorry. medical, sir? Um, um, something keratosis. Um, not keratosis. Um, solatosis. That's the one. Halitosis. Remember what I'd have done, Fred? Remember what I'd done? I had yeah. a big scab there, but yeah. it's gone. Yeah, now. I do, yeah. And it's yeah. anything like that, I, I mean, check and get it yeah. taken off. I also spoke at a function. Oh, oh, I, I heard, heard about it. this. You put it on WhatsApp. Go on, Fred. Whatever. Whatever. Stephen Croft. Yeah. Testimonial year at Lancashire. Yep. Coming towards the end of his year. I said I'll do my do, so oh. I'd done it. And it was at um Was it after dinner? Well, it, yeah. It was <laughs> it was uh, Manchester Sporting Club. They got a premises, Manchester yeah. Hall on Bridge Street. So I've turned up and I was running a little bit late because of traffic. Yeah. So Stanley came with me actually. So we we're in the car. I've done I, I drove a pole and the Stanley was horrified. <laughs> and we get there. And I think, I'll just get a drink. Oh, no, whip me into this room, stood me in front of a board, and I'd have a picture of everyone who was coming to the dinner. <sighs> so I'm stood there thinking... Well, one at a time? One at a time. Oh. So we'd done that. Then we'd take our seats for dinner. And I, I did I did a Q&A. In, in hindsight, I, I'd have preferred to have spoke. Yeah. And, oh, it wasn't my best. Didn't it go It wasn't well? as bad as Bridgestone Tyres at Lord's, <laughs> but it, it wasn't I remember good. That. And then... I but start... how could it not go? I did a Q&A with you at Lancashire Cricket Ground. Yeah, and you've got so many stories. How can it not? How? What went wrong? I I, I don't know. I was the there, chemistry wasn't there, and I just got hot, and then I started <laughs> getting hot. I took my jacket off, and then my hair started getting sweaty, so it looked like I'd had a shower. And then I'm telling these stories, and I'm thinking nobody's interested oh, in this. Really? And then someone asked a question from the floor, which I'm not even going to go into, which was so serious, it was. Just killed everything. Sounds like me on the oh, podcast. It brought that brought me back down to earth. I yeah. must admit, it's going all right. And then I did, I didn't watch it last night, but some I want to talk to you lads about. Yeah, right. As a, as a former winner. Oh, former winner. And former winner. a third place as well. A third as well. I've got two trophies. <laughs> um, so you won it in two thousand and five. Third in two thousand and four. And you, you walked Arguably it. Two thousand and five. You walked it. As a pub, was it one of those spotties where there was a public vote by phone. It wasn't in the days when... I don't know, but I had a big phone bill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sports personality. Because you look on social media this morning yep. and every, everyone's got an opinion. I've seen some blokes saying the Speedway riders won 18 championships. Well, well done, but you're not going to win. And <laughs> But I, I was looking at the lineup, and I was looking at the event and to me, it's not what sports personality used to be. It's interesting. Sometimes that. bigger isn't better. Yeah. Yeah, having it in an arena. I remember watching it as a kid, and you had it in a studio. Yeah, BBC. and you looked at who was in the audience, and it was the great and the good of the sporting world. You I had the it. best. You had yeah. the elite. Yeah, and now don't get me wrong, I've got no issues with them. Yeah, but Love Island on red carpet at Sport Relief. Really? Yeah. Oh. Get, so they get the pictures and that, and I understand you're trying to get this, but yeah. I'm with you. It, I'm with you. You have some I've got, two, I've got two problems with it. One of them, I went to that studio. I think it was at Television Centre in White City, um, where we had lunch that time, yeah. underneath there. And it was an extraordinary thing. You saw so many iconic sporting figures. Des Lynham, I think, was, was the host the year that I went to see it. And it was a review of the sporting year. Yeah. And you'd get a real insight into what had been happening and you'd have highly credible people explaining and narrating what had been going on. And then the sports personality bit at the end was a really integral part of it. And it was a vote for who had had the greatest achievement that year. And I think you're right. It's become now kind of mass entertainment concept. And you can see why the BBC like the is doing it. It's like you know, a, see a, the... a version of the NTAs or something. Yeah, what, it's the not, National yeah. Television Awards? Yeah. Tell the other thing. 
I don't know if you think this is, is relevant at all, but one of the things I love about sport is that it is objective. Yeah. When you won the Ashes, you won it because you were the best team. You were better than Australia. Were you more popular than Australia? Doesn't matter. It's whether or not you're the best. When you have a running race, you don't have to curry favour with the umpires before you do the race. It's whoever gets through the line first. It's a meritocracy. And what worries me about sports personality now is you have that interview towards the beginning of the show and it's you have to come across well. You're selling yourself. You're selling yourself. It's PR. It's spin. For me, the whole beauty of sport is it's not about spin. It's not about PR. It's about objectivity. And I think the entertainment way, and I know why they're doing it at the BBC, and this is a BBC podcast and I'm not, not hammering them, know why they're doing it. But for me, it's not got the same kudos as it used to have. I thought Geraint, um, Geraint Thomas. He was good, wasn't he? Fantastic. Tour de France winner. Um, but always, but, I, but with Geraint Thomas as well, like you, you can you can debate who should have won yeah. and things. But I'd have gone Thomas, for Tyson Fury personally. Well, oh, he won, didn't get on the shortlist, did he? Well, this is did what Geraint Thomas won the Tour de France. He's yeah. been there and thereabouts for years, helping yeah. other people win it. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 brilliant. Yeah, but then Tyson Fury, yeah, got to be in the shakeup. The other yeah. one, which Ronnie O'Sullivan, yeah, Ronnie O'Sullivan yeah. last week became snookers. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest ever player by beating Stephen Hendry's record, 19 yeah. majors. 19, yeah. Do you know that trophy's on your shelf then? Yeah. The winner, yeah, and third. What does that, in, in yeah. what you've yeah. done in your career, Good question, be man. the sports personality, what does that trophy mean to you? What does it mean? I, I look back at it and I wasn't there on the night. You didn't go? No. I was in Pakistan. Oh. I was, yeah, I was in Pakistan because this is the strange thing about it was because it, it wasn't nailed on I was going to win. I'd had a good year and I was favourite. And I got asked by ECB and BBC if I would come home for sports personality. I said, well, no, because... I got you a... knew you'd won? Well, no, but no. they wanted me to come back for it because it had been a big year. And I'm saying, well, no, because I'm playing for England tomorrow against Pakistan, the right. very reason that I'm up for exactly. this. I can't be coming home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I stayed up all night, watched, watched it, got presented by Beefy in a hotel room. Said I can't remember what I said on a speech, and then played the next day and got a first ball duck. No, uh, really? Yeah, but... This but who is, were the other contenders the year you won it? I've got no idea, to be honest. Because I didn't even see the show. 2005, was that the miracle of Istanbul, wasn't it? Might have been year? Stevie Gerrard. Yeah. They'd have probably got team of the year. We got team of the year. Yeah. But, yeah, it's nice. It's on the yeah. thing, and people come in the house, and it's it's one of... Well, I've got them two trophies up, and I've got two other trophies up in the cabinet, and that's it in the house. Mainly because, What's the other two? Oh, oh, this is embarrassing. The two sports personalities are in the glass cupboard and they look nice and the kids like them. And then the other two is World Cricket of the Year and World One Day Cricket of the Year. Oh, they're good trophies. Yeah, but they're, they're nice. <laughs> not, tro- bad. They, but they're, not they're, bad. But for the, like, the two boys like them. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. But every time I look at them, I get a bit, of embar- I get a bit embarrassed. I'm not, uh, uh, I, I'm not good at receiving awards yeah. and things. It was all about playing. I like that. Ellen MacArthur, by the way, was second. Mike's told me that Steve Gerrard was third. So it was the year that they came back to to win that match. What about um, Coach of the Year? Gareth Southgate. So I definitely would go for Gareth Southgate. Really? And I think that was the right decision. So, so tell, oh, well, yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah, well, that's true. true. No, I don't get paid for the FA work that I do. Cost me money. Um, I'll tell you why. I think. Historically, the big problem in football coaching is that it has been a macho culture. Too many coaches have gone in there and they thought the way to inspire players is to shout and ball at them and there'd be a huge amount of fear and all the rest of it. And I think Southgate has come in and he's got a different methodology. He's empathetic. 
He's somebody who tries to inspire, not by dominating people, but by, you know, but by helping them, by nurturing them, by galvanising them. And I think that's been a big change in the model of management of football. And I know that they, and also, I know England team didn't win it and they came fourth at the World Cup, but I think that was a big national moment. I'm all about, I'm all about winning. Is it, do you know the coach of the year? Is it just English? British. British coach. Yeah. So you've got England's netball, won team of the year. Yeah. And also won moment of the year. That's right. So why is Tracy Neville not coach of the year? If she's coached yeah, the logically. team of the year, why is she not won t- coach of the year? I think I think Southgate, and I know they did amazing. But, 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 it's with, amazing. South, but with Southgate, right? Yeah. And I, I like the man. This is not a slow run. This is a, a, an opinion. Yeah. England didn't win the World Cup. No. I think further down the line, under Southgate, England have got a fantastic chance of winning something. Mm. Don't celebrate mediocrity. Celebrate winning. Yeah. And it's sport. Because if you look at the World Cup, let's be honest, we, we all got sucked in a little bit, didn't we? We all shouted, yeah. it's coming on. We beat Panama, someone else. Penalties Sweden. against Sweden. Yep. And then we played a decent well, team, we got beat. Yeah. Pretty much got beat by Belgium. Colombia was a penalty, we lost a couple What about What about penalty. Ben Davidson, Tyson Fury's coach? I think, yeah. Well, I, I understand why Tyson Fury wasn't sports personality yeah, yeah. He, he didn't win yeah. I think moment of the year would yeah. have been a good one for Tyson Fury yeah, yeah. Getting, up. Got, getting up and just everything it symbolises having heard him the way in which he speaks but Tracy Neville she coaches team of the year yeah, yeah. and she didn't get it she didn't yeah. get it it doesn't make sense yeah no I agree I agree with Harry that Harry Kane really I would have put him in the top three why because I think football is the globally most competitive sport. Football don't usually the... win it all. I think David no, Beckham and Giggsy won it. Yeah, Beckham won it. Oh, Michael Owen won Gaza, it. Gaza, Gaza. Yeah. So there's no footballs, won it? You, <laughs> you round off five off top of your head. It was the first Golden Boots, isn't it? 1986. Yeah, but, but... I know what you're saying. I know, but, I know what you're saying. Was it? How many penalties? I know what you're saying. And then the deflection. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I think football, the World Cup is the biggest sports competition. But we didn't win planet. it. Yeah, that's true. But Kane won the Golden Boot. We came fourth. We didn't even yeah, get on podium. Yeah. No, that's true. It's true. And I can see why a lot of people went for Geraint Thomas. But I think it's fascinating that you see that as a nice trophy to have won, but not the same as winning the act, not the same as actually getting onto the field of play and doing what you were being paid to do. I've never won an OBE or anything like that. I can imagine that would have a similar meaning. It's not the thing that you were brought into sport to do. What about you, Roberto? What what, what do you make of Fred's point that it's become a bit too entertaining? Yeah, I agree with Fred. Yeah. I agree. I've been I've been to him in the past, yeah. and it's like I was there, and I'm not shouldn't be there. Have you ever won an award like that, like uh, Player of the Year or Personality yeah, of, course, of the Year or club? Yeah, you won Club every, Player of the Year, didn't you? I won every Player of the Year as club as that, Matthew. Okay. Really? You got yeah. twenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're great. To, what did it, me, did it the, mean a lot to you? The Players Play of the Year award meant a lot. Yeah, you know, and the fans yeah. award, like six or six won all the, from the fans. That's great. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Those are the awards I want to win, where the fans or your fellow professionals vote for you. Like Jimmy Anderson was up for it as well. He was, yeah. Yeah. Alistair did he Cook, do- no? Was he? Up he was up for moment of the year. Right. But just getting back to what we were talking about before, I remember watching it as a kid, and you stood there and you had the presenters. And then behind all the presenters, you see Steve Davis, Daley Thompson, yeah. Frank Bruno. Yeah. You see them all. Where now, it's just gone a bit... Love a bit shi- the Love Island on the red carpet. Yeah, a bit shiny yeah. floor now, isn't it? Yeah. I did like the three lines, the rendition. Skinner, Badil, they came out, they performed it. like Badil's got a terrible voice, sir. Well, he's, he's not meant to have a good one, is he? Oh, my God. The lightning season, I love the lightning season. Oh, he was brilliant, the lead singer there. Ian Brody. 
It's that time of the year again, Janice. Yes, it is, Lee. How have you been? Very well, thanks. I just wanted to mention, I loved the way you said Europe's elite club competition this year. You mean like this? Europe's elite club competition. Yes. Oh, and how did you do that thing when you said first for news? First for news. That trade secret. Hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. Sorry I'm late, guys. Shall we begin? Christmas Day on Five Live. From seven, it's Five Live Breakfast with Colin Murray. Then from nine, it's Russell Kane at Christmas. Followed by singer and jungle celebrity Fleur East and her friends from 11. At 12.30, Laura Whitmore's Christmas Roast. Big names on the big day. Merry Christmas from BBC Radio 5 Live. And also from From us. us. Christmas Day on 5 Live. We've got to bring on Andy Burnham, Mayor of Greater Manchester. Now, whose idea was it? Who got his telephone? Oh, there was my, Freddie, and, Freddie and myself. Um, we, me and Freddie bumped into him Costa Coffee about two or two or three years ago. What, in BBC? Yeah, That's BBC. And we, so Fred's idea, and to, to, to evolve, you know, managers evolve, things evolve, and Fred's idea was we should bring... Evolve? 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 I don't know. Why are you putting a stupid voice on? I have no idea. I no idea. And I just... Don't you be putting a voice on. We all thought that, you know, let's see what our guests were, and I thought he was a good man, and Brexit time... Why not? Why not bring the mayor of Manchester on our podcast? I think it's a great idea. In I fact, think just to explain, yeah, to people, it's complex, isn't it? the, the, and if it goes well, all, me included, you've have... seen all these scenarios of Brexit and what's it going to do? How is yep. it going to happen? Are we going to deal? No deal, or what we're going to? But I think and it's it... a good way as well as our yeah. listeners, yeah. Our, our followers, you know, send in who they'd like us the to dr- the on. dream guest for the dream, podcast. Yeah, just all just Fred Stavside. Yeah, say a guest. Listen. And before he comes in, who would be your drip? I would love Tyson. Come I would like Tyson, Tyson Fury. Fury. Fred? Elvis. Elvis. You can't have him on, though. You said me dream guest. I can dream whatever I want. Okay, a living guest. A living. All <laughs> right. Elvis on. Um, I'll go for Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney? Yeah, love him. Boy George. No. Oh. Boy George. I think he shouted your name out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, let's do it. Let's do it. Hashtag Fred Savsaid. So, this week we're going to talk about the big issue facing the country. No, we're not talking about Robbie's fake tan. We're talking about... Oh, really, oh. yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, we're talking Brexit, and we have somebody on the show. Thanks for coming in. Andy Burnham, the mayor of first Greater guest, Manchester. First guest. I'm honoured. First time. Okay. Okay. We've ever what had a guest. something new. But it's a big issue. We started talking about it last week, in, you know, before we came on air, and it's complex. It's a kind of multifaceted issue, but it's absolutely live at the moment. So we thought we'd get you in. We'd discuss it, we'd debate it, and get your perspective out. And what makes you think? I know about it. I mean, I'm watching it like anybody thinking, what's going on? Do you know Matthew wanted to be a politician? I do. I remember meeting you many years ago at a Labour conference. Oh, here we go. Yesterday's this. Hey, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. 2001. Was he serving Labour drinks? Party conference. That's right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what were you serving? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I was there to, to give a speech. Yeah. And... I played a game of table tennis, didn't I? With you your did. boss at the time. You did, Chris, Chris Smith. Smith, that's right. And yeah. I think you carried my bag to it, didn't you? I think so. I think I did. Well, yeah. I was a professional bag carrier in those days, so I did it very well, I'm sure. But it was a good That was your start in politics, wasn't it? You were kind of um, a researcher. To, he was a cabinet minister at the time. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Matthew. Yeah, so I've gone back uh, a long way, really, and I've seen. I mean, my take on Brexit, if I were to give it to you, is. Westminster created Brexit and the reason it did it is because it's basically failed to look after all of the country equally and it's allowed a big north-south divide 
And I think it created a situation where so many people in the country just felt so let down by the system, mm. Westminster and Brussels together. And that's the problem, basically. So by definition, Westminster can't fix it. It's, it's collaping under the weight of it. It's, and it's an it's a incredibly difficult position we're in now because, as I understand it, there's a number of different options we could now pursue. We could go for Theresa May's deal. We could go for no deal. We could go for a Norway-style deal, a Canada plus, or we could go for a second referendum. There's no majority... No majority in Parliament for any can, of them. But Rob, go on, you chip in. So I'm a layman. I've got no idea about Brexit. I didn't vote because I, I'm taking it right you back. You didn't vote in the referendum. Like, what, what was what I voting democratic for? Responsibility. Yeah. So I'm a, I was heard about Brexit. You as well, Fred. I didn't vote because... Hey, what was, no, what's Fred got to do with it? Don't be mean to me. You don't vote. Why have you brought me into it? Who was explaining to me to vote for what? What were we voting for? What was the vote for? Because... The vote was 51%, 49%. I never voted because I didn't have a clue what you I was voting you for. Have, you could have kept us in, Rob. If you'd have voted <laughs> in a few more you made, you could have kept us in. So explain to the lame and like 52, me and our 48. listeners, 52, 48, yep. what were we voting for in the first place? Break it down as simply as we can. Well, I mean, I think you're right. that The, the, the debate was terrible, wasn't it, back at the time? I don't think it left anybody uh, kind of uh, any of the wiser about what it was all about. I mean, simply, the debate was about were we better sticking in a, a kind of club of countries, a union of countries and working together as one, or were we better doing more for ourselves, um, deciding more of our own our own rules, our own laws? I mean, in the end, it was a sort of, in, the, in many ways, staying in was an appeal to the head. You know, it's logical, it's rational, and coming out was more of an emotional appeal about, mm. oh, the country and patriotism. And so it, it, was, a, it was a really, sort of, I think, a really... Um, Difficult debate, really, because it never really got to the heart of it, and I don't think it ever explained it clearly enough. I was going to say, do you know when people were voting for whether they stay or whether they leave? We've seen all these things now, like they're talking about Theresa May's deal, they're talking about the backstop, mm. they're talking about a hard yeah. Brexit. Yeah. This was never really on the table at the time of voting, was it? It was either you're no. in or you're out. Yeah. And then people, like Robbie, I understand why Robbie didn't vote. If you don't look into it, you don't know what's going on, why would you? So was it not explained or is it the voters not doing their homework on what they're voting for? I think the politicians let people down. You know, it was a really... Um, we get used to that, though, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. But that's why I say it's this Westminster culture that's the problem. You know, everything was reduced to sound bites, the slogans on the bus. There was so much more to it and it just didn't come through in that, in that debate. Northern Ireland was barely mentioned mm. in the referendum campaign, but that has become the big issue that is... Uh, causing all all of the difficulties. Can so, I, can I, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I I worry a lot about the level of division in in society today. I genuinely think that there are people who want to leave the European Union who are good people, think it's in the best interest of the country, and they think that once out of the European Union, there may be a bit of short-term turbulence, Andy, yeah. but in the long term it's better. And I think they're patriotic people and they have great values. I think there are Remainers who are good people who think that it's better to stay in the European Union. What amazes me about this debate is the extent to which anyone who says there's a Brexiteer, the Remainers will go after them personally, not about their opinions, they'll go after their integrity, mm. their values, what they're standing for, yeah. and vice versa. So I look on Twitter and reasonable, decent people have turned into 
very toxic, very polemical and very nasty. And that can't be positive for our country. I mean, I voted for what it, I'll put my cards on the table. I voted Remain, but I genuinely thought that Brexit had some decent arguments and I weighed it closely and on balance I went for a Remain. But I find it incredible that people are so absolutely ideological. The people who are Brexiteers are clearly clueless and vice. That's a ridiculous position for the the same a great you. country that we've got into. I was the same as you, Matthew. I was a reluctant Remainer because you know, I was representing Lee, a former mining area. You know, not hadn't seen much benefit from anywhere, to be honest, and so no great reason to be enthusiastic about yeah. any uh, system of government. Um, I, I kind of saw some of the impacts of Europe on uh, on my area, some good, some yeah. bad. Yeah. So I was kind of a reluctant Remainer. Mm. But the thing that I would want to kind of pick you up on what you Please. just said, social media has changed everything. I, you yeah, know, I, I and I, agree. I was in Parliament for 16 years, eight before social media, eight after. The way I describe it, it was like playing football for the first eight years, and then all of a sudden the rules changed, and I was playing a different sport for the next eight. It was like yeah. direct contact all of a sudden. You know, well, it was much... got some direct contact, didn't it? <laughs> well, it, but it was just different. Yeah, you know, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. it was like a, the whole game had changed on me, and people started to behave differently when social media came around, taking more individual positions, more trenchant positions. And actually people started almost shouting at each other without listening to each other. So I honestly feel that, you know, the the referendum was conducted in that context. And I don't know whether you both think, Freddie, uh, Robbie, whether social media has improved sport, but I think you get something of the same, don't you, where people are just almost screaming at each other. Or or in a footballer's case, you're either the best thing ever since sliced bread or you're just a a complete no-mark. Nothing in between, is there, in in the social media world? It's just giving people a voice. And I, I found that when, not so much me, because at football, very tribal, everyone follows a team, but you look at it and it's very easy. I suppose in the press as well, when people write pieces, it's very easy to write a negative thing. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot harder to praise. And the negativity yeah. on social media is one of the downsides. And I think that opens up a can of worms from, you know, sport to kids yeah. Yeah. to yeah. all sorts. But back on, on, on Brexit, right? Say we're going to leave. Yeah. And everyone's talking about worst-case scenario. And they're talking about all these things that can happen. It's going to be mm. terrible. It's going to be this and that. We've, we've probably heard the same thing when we went didn't go into the Euro. People are saying the economy's yeah. going to break. This is going to happen. And it didn't. We, we mm. carried on. Mm. But what can you foresee happening if we leave Europe? Let's say, to begin with, a hard Brexit. Leaving without a deal in place, I believe, is a disaster. Really? It is. Because the whole way we work is, is tied into partnership. With, with our neighbours. I mean, they are our neighbours. Let's remember that. You know, we have to have a relationship with France. We have to have a relationship with the Republic of Ireland. And it's not just trade, Freddie. It's, it's policing. You know, so our police, you know, if someone's flying into Manchester Airport, they need the ability to check European databases very quickly if they've got a concern about yeah. somebody on that flight. It's, that is the kind of cooperation that we have with Europe. And if you kind of just rip all that up, it's a dangerous thing to do, to have a kind of way of working as a country and all of a sudden you just tear it up and you're in a different world the, the day after. So to the extent that there's any majority in the country at the moment, I think there is a majority who think leaving without a deal would be uh, an act of major self-harm. And so I think that is something that we can at least build on. Might be worth saying. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with most of that. But if one were to, in an enlightened way as a nation-state, to talk to other nations and there was good grounds for cooperation which would be mutually beneficial 
one could do those things without being the me- members of the European Union, potentially, when it comes to... Why have you started speaking like a politician? I don't know. Oh, geez, you're what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It was back at Labour Conference in 2001. It's like Doctor Who. This is where you get in. This is where you got beat by some bloke. Yeah, got lost to John Redwood in the election. How did you lose to John Redwood? John Redwood didn't have a stupid voice. The Vulcan. One. Did I did my exit, James? Yeah. What do you mean pathetic? What were you saying then, Matthew? What were you saying? No, I was saying, I think that the short term transition would be tough. That would be very difficult because we would be changing the basis of certain types of relationship. But I, but I do think that you get through that period and as a strong independent nation cooperating effectively in a number of different areas that are mutually beneficial, we can still get by. What, with nothing guaranteed or nothing in writing? Well, Just on a word? Um, one would want, I guess, to get as many agreements in place in advance of leaving the European Union. I don't think we have planned particularly effectively for a no-deal Brexit, and I think that that was part no, of the reason I didn't think that we would get to that That's position. That's right. But I do think, yes, you can have independent nations that cooperate effectively. <laughs> but I'm with you, Andy. I think on balance we should have remained because I think that you know pooling sovereignty is a sensible thing to do in, in, in the world we live in. Um, but just getting back to that Twitter thing, just briefly... Mm. We've talked a couple of times, Rob, Fred and I, about how... I mean, Rob gets abuse that blows my mind, and yet you, you deal with it. You deal with it pretty I used, well. I used to you, give it out to him from the, <laughs> from the Gladys Street. <laughs> he was always a bit of a... <laughs> I like him these days. But, but what do you think... Paul, how do you put up with it? Do you, do, you have to, do you feel it personally? Do you get wounded by this kind of stuff? I think stuff? you learn to live with it, really, Matthew. I think we, you all do, don't you? You just kind of learn to, to, to deal with it. Well, he confused the other day, didn't he? The comedian Lee Hurst. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Talk, Lee Hurst. Is it yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah. He, he come for Andy on Twitter because? the other day, didn't he? Well, I'd, I'd gone on talk uh, radio and I was making this pitch about investment in the north. You know, the north's been let down. London gets it all. Crossrails having more shoveled yeah. into it. Uh, and he came on Twitter and yeah. replied to this tweet from Talk Radio saying, "Well, if if Andy Burnham wants to, you know, make money go further in the north, he should take a pay cut. Uh, but that ain't going to happen." You, you give a percentage of yours away, don't you? Yeah, well, I tweeted him back and said, yeah. actually, Lee, it is happening, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, give 15%. I'm not, asking any, I'm not asking for any great praise, but 15, yeah, don't say 50, because no, my wife... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who uh, should give five. it to? To the Mayor's Homelessness Fund. So we wow. then, uh, uh, you know, give support. We've got a scheme running in Great Spanish this, this winter, a bed every night. So we're trying to provide a place for everyone to go, yeah. everyone sleeping rough right through the winter. So that's where it, that's what's going at the moment. How come you don't hammer him when he talks about seriously? I talk about... Is that what politicians do? Listen, <laughs> I'm not a, a big into politics, yeah. but I've just seen really? what politicians yeah. can do there. Yeah. You've surprised me, Emma. You've surprised me in you've terms of you're like one of the lads. All of a sudden, you start showing off. What do you mean? He said, he said more in this podcast yeah, than he has in yeah. all others. And you started, <laughs> you started changing. You started speaking different. Is yeah. that what politicians do? So you've changed like straight away because I feel sorry for Theresa May. I listen. I've I've got no idea what I'm talking about, but as a layman, Theresa May wasn't the leader of the party. Yeah. David Cameron. Yeah. Osborne. Osborne now runs a newspaper. They left us in this mess. They left us. I don't know if it's a mess or not. I don't know. But they left. And then Theresa May had to pick up everything up. And I feel sorry for it. Oh, I, I, I go a bit with what you're saying. Because I, I, when Brexit happened, Theresa May was Home Secretary. 
and I was shadow Home Secretary. So I had a lot of dealings with her. I mean, we worked together on Hillsborough and other things. I've got a lot of respect what, what, for her. What's, what's she like, Andy? Um, she is very straight down the line. Yeah. Um, you know, she isn't a politician that sort of chases the, you know, the, the latest gimmick. And Cameron, in my view, was a bit like that. So she is somebody with kind of pretty clear beliefs and, you know, she does what she believes to be right. But there's a, there's a but. She kind of lacks a connection with people, I think. You know, a bit like, in many ways, Gordon Brown, whose government yeah. I was in, yeah, they lacked a sort of a, an emotional connection with, the, with yeah. the public. And I think Theresa May's got a bit of that. The big mistake she made, Robbie, was when she became leader, instead of creating a Brexit deal for Parliament so that people on all sides could get behind, she started playing to her own gallery. She appointed Boris Johnson Foreign Secretary, David Davis. She was kind of playing to that hard Brexit agenda. And consequently, she was alienating people who she was going to need to try and get her deal through Parliament. And that, I think Theresa May has made her own bed, to be honest, with the way she went about trying to manage Brexit. If she'd kind of reached out a bit more, both to Europe and to people in different parties, she might be in a better position today. But with, 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 with Boris, like, he's had his hair cut and he thinks he's, <laughs> sniffing, he's sniffing around the job, isn't he? <laughs> But he just made he just made up three hundred million for NHS. Didn't he? Was that just making it up? Yeah, as far as I could tell, yeah, absolutely, I, I, yeah. I, I, but also, I, 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 how, how, is, how are you allowed to do that? But, but but Freddie, the thing that I I kind of feel most frustrated about is he had two articles written for his column in the Daily Telegraph, didn't he? One where he was advocating remain, and one where he was advocating leave, and he decided in the end, oh, he go because yeah. I think it was a tactical. He thought, oh, how could I kind of get you know my course towards number 10 oh I think if I if I back leave then it might yeah. work for me in the long run I think he made a calculated decision about himself to be honest well, on, I, sorry I, just, on, just, yeah, on, the, just on the Prime Minister like Robbie said he's, that, on, he's on one now no, but, <laughs> right, 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 right. he's there he's buzzing today yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I met her I was round at her house for soccer aid who? who? Theresa. Well, yeah. Theresa May. They a party in Garden, didn't they, for soccer aid. And she dug me out again for being drunk at 10 Downing Street. Did but, they invite you back to 10 Downing Street? Oh, I, 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 I saw you going in that day and I can't <laughs> oh, believe you'd ever got invited <laughs> I, back. I, I, had dinner, I had dinner with Cameron, table for eight in kitchen. Hey? That was a thrilling night. How come uh, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I digress, I digress. How many had you had when you went in Downing Street that day? Just out, that well, hours or drinks. I've been at Be it for... Before you went in and then... I've been at it for about 20 hours. Well, right. Yeah, so I was ticking. I was ticking. I got I got kicked out of the cabinet room in the end for having me on meeting. But with, with, with Theresa May, do you know, like Rob says, he feels sorry for her, which is I, I I get that. And the reason I do is is do you know when they talk about negotiating and she's going and negotiating with Europe about this exit? Now, have we not as a country got a little bit ahead of ourselves, thinking we've got so much here? To negotiate, what what is she negotiating with? We're a little island. This is Europe, and everyone's saying she should do this, she should do that. But for me, it's like yeah. To be fair, she's not been given the best hand of cards. I think we are. Yeah. I know we're a big important country, Freddie. Come on, no, we're, no, we are. We are. But you know economy. what I mean? In the bigger picture, in the, I think in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think she's had a she's had a tough wicket, but she's not kind of helped herself. I don't think. And I don't think I think Europe, to be honest, have been quite arrogant in the way that they've dealt with both yeah. her and and us collectively. You know, they've been a bit high-handed, haven't they? Just he's, he's snarling across the no, table. No, no, no. He's all, all he's I was going to say, well, I was going to say, Andy. But Europe no. is trying to send a message to the other twenty-seven, aren't they? That That's if you leave, this is how you get treated. And that, so I think they both handle it badly. Theresa yeah. May's been trimming to her own sort of hard right. And you're, it suited Europe because then they could give her a bad deal because they want to send a message to... Yeah. So it's it's kind of the whole the, thing hasn't that, worked That's well. why I think it, it's a little bit unfair to say that Theresa May's made her own bed because 
she inherited this very difficult situation. Inherited is it a word? Yeah, I think that's a word. It is a word, Rob. Inherited is a word. And you've got all the people who created it have yeah. all left. Yeah. One's but, got a high-powered job running the paper. Right. Yeah. Boris Johnson is <laughs> back on the scene now when he balls up. Is that a fair word? But, I think so, yeah. But Theresa yeah. May, yeah. She, see, you were saying, Andy, she could have reached out to more people and tried to engineer a softer Brexit, but she would have... She tried Yeah, she would have alienated at that point the hard Brexit in her body. For me... For yeah. me Oh. I think that she's had a finger point pretty there, much. He's a guest, Matthew. He's a guest. He's coming from Sweden. And he's a better politician. And he's a better politician. He made it. He, he made it. He made it. He made it. Yeah, it's did. like me being with like a guy in a pub. Like this, Matthew, this for you must be like. You know, it's like you trying to tell Pelly how to play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, actually, come on, he's Pelly. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, I've done you. Carry on, Matthew. Carry on. I think that you look at where we are now as a country. And how divided Parliament is. There's, yeah. four, there's four different positions. There won't be a majority for any of them. I don't think it would have been possible for anybody to come up with a Brexit solution that would have got the backing of the party, of Parliament and the country. I just think it was impossible. I, I think there know. are too many different ways of doing it. On I jo- think there was a deal to be done there, I do. And I, I still believe, as we sit here today, that the best outcome would be to get a deal that works. What, so is, I'm, a, what, what is a good deal? So for us, yeah. let me answer that directly from a Greater Manchester perspective. We send 60% of our exports to Europe. So, yeah. you know, most Greater Manchester companies, their largest market is Europe. So if all of a sudden they've got tariffs to pay or big barriers, you know, bureaucracy to, to send their exports, it's going to affect them. It's going to possibly affect the number of people they employ. So we're more dependent on Europe for our market from Greater Manchester's point of view. So we need a, an arrangement with all of those uh, countries so is, in Europe. Is that, say then we leave, yeah. is that then down to you as representative of Manchester to try and sort all this out? Yeah, because Are those, you allowed to do that? Those companies then potentially would face greater hurdles in sort of uh, continuing their business with Europe. So I, I still, you know, I think it's right to respect how people voted. I think a, a second referendum is very problematic, I think, in terms of it further dividing people, even from where we are today. But would we then know, for me now, I'd understand it more. So another vote, I would know what I'm voting for. What would you vote if you were voting again? <laughs> now? What would I vote now? Um, after listening to you, I'd probably remain. Right. Is that right? You, no, he's, he's, what do you mean? Is it right? It's your vote. You've just been listening to him for fifteen minutes. This is what we're doing. A politician coming in, explaining to you exactly what the situation is, and you say I would be a Remainer. Is that right? Fred, where would you go? Oh, actually, Andy, carry on with the answer about the deal. Well, I, I still think that's the that's the best thing because. I, the only remain. way in which remain, yeah, but this, the, but I want to accept how people voted. Let's leave, but get a deal that works. So, so a good customs arrangement with Europe. That's what Theresa May should be putting all her energy into, in my in my view. However, if we got to that cliff edge and we were looking at no deal, then I would support a people's vote because really? no deal is just uh, a nightmare on every level. And how will an old deal happen? If they just get the votes in Parliament, it's oh, time runs out, Robbie, isn't it? So 29th of March, that's that's the date, and every day that goes by, we're getting closer to it, and we haven't got an this, arrangement. Do you know? Do you know on a deal at the minute, is it 39 billion? Yeah, that you'd have to pay to get out. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? That's the default. 
it's commitments that we've entered into, isn't it, as part of you know going further forward in, in like, Europe. Like what? That'd be oh. like your divorce, Rachel. Now you got top gear. <laughs> <laughs> 39 billion. Should I get a third? There's an EU, EU budget. We pay into an EU budget, and that's what, yeah. it, that's what it's in relation to, yeah. So. I mean, there is a debate about whether we're legally obliged to pay, as you know. I mean, there have been, yep. I mean, the House of Lords produced a report saying that they didn't feel that we were legally obliged to pay that amount and that it should have been on the table as part of the negotiation. I mean, my, my, Theresa May, I think, would have done better if there'd been very stringent planning for a no deal Brexit. So they knew we could walk away from the negotiation. Mm. And if perhaps, depending on what the, the, the objective legal advice is, 39 billion have been part of the negotiation. But the real difficulty, as you know, there is just a massive split in the Conservative Party yeah. and the broader Brexit community about whether we want to diverge from the EU or whether we want... And in the Labour Party too. I mean, tough question this, but the Labour Party, let's be honest about it, is as hopelessly divided on this issue. And I speak as somebody who is a member of the Labour Party for a long time, since yeah. the Parliament, and... I think it's been terribly sad that there hasn't no been... No wonder they kicked you out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I joined when Tony Blair was leader. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn is more different from Tony Blair than Blair is to Thatcher. I mean, it's a completely... Are you a Jeremy one. Corbyn fan, Matthew? No, I'm not. I mean, I left the, the Labour Party. Did you stand against Ed Miliband for the leadership? I did. Yeah. yeah. So Ed yeah. Miliband became... Thanks for reminding me. I've lost yeah. twice yeah. for the <laughs> Labour leadership. Third time. Go for it. Um, so I was in the Labour Party. Stuff I, I thought, you know, Iraq was obviously a bad, not a great decision. But I thought that Blair politically was where I felt the nation should be. Pro-free market, but with a real social conscience. Um, and I think that the Labour Party has drifted off to the left. I mean, I'm old enough. I don't know how old you are, Andy, to remember when Michael Foote was leader. I remember the strong battle between Dennis Healy and Tony Benn for the deputy leadership. I've always been on the right of the Labour Party. Corbyn's Labour Party, for me, doesn't feel like a home that I can be in. And I think on Brexit specifically, I think it's terribly sad that Labour hasn't had a united, strong voice on it because they've played it for all it's worth tactically because they know that they have a lot of voters, particularly in the North, who are Brexiteers. I think that's the issue. But the membership are Remainers. I think that's the issue. A lot of uh, Labour MPs are in seats that voted Leave, so yeah. they feel difficult. You know, that kind of conflict comes through in terms yeah. of how they uh, try and deal with the issue. So it's, it is difficult. It's um, tough. It's tough. But I think politics looks a bit messy, doesn't it, to people, really, to yeah. say the least. Oh, I'm and trying to get my head around it. Would yeah. politics, would you, I mean, politics, I, st I stood, mate. Politicians, yeah. listen, uh, cynical me, yeah. as I said, I don't know much about politics, but I look at them all, I, I think, at the minute, who do you believe? Can I... I bet you like Eseltine, don't you? Eseltine. No, so, <laughs> he models his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he's like a young Eseltine. Yeah, 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 he's got it. He's got it. Like it. <laughs> so my, my kids... My kids, who were obviously... Charlie's quite clever. You yep. should ask Charlie. He's who would bright, he be, Who would he be influenced by at the minute? If he was, he sees Jeremy Corbyn going to all these gigs and people saying, "Oh, Jeremy Corbyn," <laughs> it's like it's nonsense. Like, yeah. well, he's popular. The millennials, would, yeah, they like Corbyn because he's doing all this silly stuff. And I, I've never heard him speak politics at all. I, I just think. I don't believe anybody in politics. But you think you, I do. Well, you know, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. so that's a, back, that's a climb Pelé. down. Pelé. Isn't it? But I listen to them all, politics. and I, listen, I'm a layman. I don't understand. But I'm seeing, say, I'm seeing them say stuff, yeah. and then like the NHS thing, that is come true. But it's not just. Don't forget though, it's not just here. I mean, look at what's been going on in France in the last yep. few weeks. I mean, they've not had a, a referendum to get let 
those people with those opinions voice it in yeah. that same way. But it's the same thing, you know. Look at yeah. what's going on in the US. But when he US. came in, he, he was like the blue-eyed boy, wasn't he? he? Was. Yeah, came in, yeah. And it can soon turn. It can, it can. And I think what's going on around the world is we are kind of polarizing a bit as a as a society, aren't we? You know, people are getting. Why do they never answer a question? Because if I asked you, Andy, is it cloudy outside? What would you say? <laughs> Oh, difficult. Partly. <laughs> but they never yeah, I'll tell you why. Question. I'll tell you never. why. Because Just yes or no. Because they, you know, if you answer some questions in a certain way, it's yeah. it's designed to it's cloudy with a chance of turn you over, isn't it? You <laughs> know that as a footballer. Come on. Yeah, but you, you know, know when sometimes you're designed to a question that's trying to get you to criticise the manager. You know, you know that. Come on, you must. But that's the answer. If you say if you answer it straight, you'll yeah. be on the front page of the newspaper. So you never give a straight answer? But is it, but well, is, I used is, to come out of interviews and my wife used to send me text messages in capitals, answer the <laughs> F star, star, star yeah. question. Yeah. Because it used to frustrate, but I knew myself that, you know, but the system makes you do it because... Sport is similar. Because you, you, you go into an interview and then you get your press man telling you what they're going to ask and how you should handle it. Yeah. And I've had times when I'm speaking thinking... I just want to say what I think because yeah. an honest opinion isn't wrong. Well, I, see, I started by saying that Westminster was pretty broken uh, and it's at the root cause of all of this. And I do believe it is. Why? Because we've got this whip system. So all the MPs are told... Don't this- talk about whips around Matthew. He's got in <laughs> oh, trouble oh, this week. Oh, newspaper column. Yeah, I don't know about that. He said the whip in the horse race. Yes. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Not, like, not like a fetish. He got hammered. <laughs> but that tells you what the party line is. So when you're an MP, you're kind of meant to go in and kind of repeat what the three-line whip is, you know, and you can't... Yeah. So even though you might have your own opinion, you've obviously got to stick to the collective opinion. But that then builds a distrust, doesn't it, in politics? Because mm. it sounds like people aren't answering yeah, the question. They right. aren't saying what they really think. Yeah, I've got, but the thing is, it's not just about Parliament. It's about the Cabinet. There's a doctrine called collective there Cabinet is. responsibility, where the Cabinet decides a particular position. There might be people who dissent from that position, but then they all have to back it. So you are trained in the ability to lie effectively in public. Because really? almost every decision taken by the Cabinet isn't going to be one that you specifically agree with. You argue your corner... And I think that that has massive psychological implications. You get trained in, I wouldn't say lying, because I, I, you know, I... I well, look I, at the memo. The thing is, Andy, I never did that, but on, you get trained on, to on, kind of skirt cabinet. around the issue and be diplomatic, don't you? That's what you get... Andy, you're in the trained. cabinet. Yep. You're in the cabinet. Always be serious, Unless yeah. every single decision the cabinet made was something that you absolutely endorsed, presumably impossible given that there are 20 different voices, what happens when you go into the public? Look at any memoir of any politician who has ever served in the cabinet and what you find out 10 years later is that Kenneth Clark didn't agree with that policy. Michael Heseltine didn't agree with that yeah, policy. I John Redwood. No. So what happens is you have to go out and you have to sell it. Yeah. But that means that you are effectively lying. Now, I, the, the alternative, of course... Is that all of these opinions? Well, I, I, I was, tell the truth. I was the, caught the very is, personally by this, yeah, Matthew. If yeah. I could just explain, middle of the 2015 Labour leadership election, there was a big debate going on about the, a welfare reform bill. Yeah, I remember. And I argued yeah. really strongly in shadow cabinet against it and said we should be opposing it. And uh, Harriet Harman at the time was the acting leader and said, "Oh no, no, we've lost the election, and you know people want action in this area." So in the middle of the contest, I kind of argued. And I got her to change her position, but it still wasn't strong enough, probably. So and then I, having argued privately, I had to then stick with the system because I was in the shadow cabinet yeah. and I ended up sort of following the party line. Jeremy Corbyn rebelled and went through the other lobby and obviously that was a big turning point. Yeah. And I kind of was a real victim of playing, yeah. Yeah. playing the, game. the way the system works. And actually, I think the current <laughs> mood is, if you're more flam, if you just do your own thing yeah. 
right. the social media world rewards you for doing it that. It does indeed. That's why Whereas, Donald Trump won the presidency. Yeah, and the world. old systems of doing politics were based on those collective systems where you all had to try and stick together. <coughs> Sport has the same thing, doesn't it? Yep. You, you have your disagreements in the dressing room and then you go out with a, you know, same thing. But when that breaks down, that discipline breaks down, you're in a really different world. And I think we're in that, that real uncharted territory right yeah, now. Yeah. Just getting back to voting mm. and talk about the people's vote and everybody wants another one. Now, from my point of view, I think, you know what, You, in one hand, you think we've made a bad decision. We should be able to alter it. If you make a bad decision, you want to change it. Yeah. And there's an opportunity to change it. But then I also think, well, if they vote again, then what if it's tight again? Yeah. Do we go third time? I know, I know. What, that's, and that's the problem, It's isn't like it? well, you've voted. People have had the chance. Yeah. And that's what you've got. People say as well, though, don't they, Freddie, that you know, if, if it had been the other way, 52 remain, there wouldn't have been a second referendum. And I think it's the kind of message it sends to people who yeah. voted leave. It's why I kind of hold hold back from it. The first referendum was really difficult out on the streets. You know, it was a, if you remember, an MP died during the first referendum. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a kind of yeah. an easy time for anybody. If you went back for another one, I think it would be even more difficult. I think some families would basically be really split by it. You yeah. know, they'd probably never speak to each other. After. You know, it would, it would unlock even more difficult emotions, I think, a second referendum. And that's why I really hold back from it. Take, taking a step back on politics more generally, I know, Fred, you're interested in politics in a big way. I, I stood. You're obviously, I mean, I'm a failed politician. You have stood and you've secured power. You've worked in the cabinet. You're now the mayor for Greater Manchester. Do you, and do then you there's me. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but do you, think, do you think people, you know, I worry that politics is a place now where my wife is against me ever standing again. All of my mm. family are because it's somewhere well, that you can go any embarrassment to the family. Is this this whip story again? I don't know about <laughs> But your motives are questioned yeah. the you whole time. You can afford to, Matthew, what you earn for these speaking uh, yeah, well, gigs. Well, um, books. It's, and I worry that, that people with, with genuinely yeah. strong political convictions who might be able to stand and make an argument, are just not interested anymore. And I think that's the chance. And I also think people worry that they'll go in and they'll get the kind of abuse you've been talking about. Yeah. I, I, what would you say I to somebody thinking about I don't spend any it? time wishing I was back in Westminster. Yeah, Honestly, I don't. You know, I, I know you may not... I mean, this might sound strange to hear me say it, but people inside politics can get as disillusioned with it as yeah. the public. And actually, to be honest, by the end of my time in Westminster, I was, you know, my heart would sink on the train down every every Monday. Really? Just yeah, I, was, was it I wasn't... It wasn't a northern... So I kind of... I tried to make it work you know and I, I tried to sort of be a voice for the north within yeah. but what you find is we have this political system down there that is basically london centric it all revolves around there they don't really listen to any other part of the country it's why brexit happened in my view and i actually what i'm doing now is more is about building a healthier approach to politics than kind of sticking and digging in down there so yeah you 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 what was your best ever moment in politics, the one that made you the happiest, that gave you satisfaction, that you'll look back on at the end of your career and say, you know, for Fred, it was winning the Ashes, possibly, you know, Robbie... Um, Wellington not Cup. Sure. Yeah, Wellington Cup. Yeah, thank you, Fred. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. yeah. I like the clip of Andy on, on on social media, YouTube, when you're sitting behind Jeremy Corbyn and you're dying to laugh. That, <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can edit that out. That's a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of retweets, that one, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. No, the, the, the one that I will look back on is because it's where my professional life kind of collided out with my personal life, which was 
2009 when I was culture secretary and invited to speak at the 20th anniversary of the Hillsborough oh, yeah. uh, disaster. So that was, I agonised about whether I was going to go to that because I knew what yeah. everyone in that ground felt about the government of which I was a part. And I also knew I couldn't live with myself if I chickened out, you know, and I, I just I just was in such a sort of, a, you know, impossible yeah. position. And my younger brother, John, said to me, he said, look, and he said, go if you're going to do something for them, but if, if not, stay away. So I kind of decided that. Um, so when I look back, you know, that, that would be the thing because I was at the other semi-final on that day. So really? I was at Villa Park, which yeah. in Everton, and it's half a, the mayor of Greater Manchester to admit that I uh, yeah. support, uh, support the Blues. But I, I was there at the other semi-final, and I remember vividly that day and the news coming through. I remember being back in the pub where I grew up and mates who'd been at uh, Hillsborough started to come back, you know, with just sort of blank behind the eyes. And so for me, that went to the heart of me, really. And, um, you know, I, what I was able to do there, I, mean, I wouldn't want to overclaim because it was all too late, but what I was able to do would be the thing I would look back on and say, well, because I was in that position, I was able to do something and hopefully I, I did do something. So for something like that, you, you speak and is it your speech you've written? Do you have to pass it through someone? So that or was a real... Was a, do you know what I was... Controversy between what you're saying or...? Well, it's a really good question, Fab, because... The government didn't know I was going. Right. I actually, to be honest, stepped outside all of the norms. If I, the government eventually heard I was going towards the end and tried to stop me from going, but I'd decided by then. So actually, I was standing outside of everything by even going. Uh, wrote my own speech. I called for disclosure of all cab- all papers on Hillsborough again with no cabinet cover and no nothing. So I kind of had to step outside of my world, basically, to do it. And I kind of realised I might ended up, you know, might have ended up getting. Do you, do you think that you talk about stepping outside your own world, and you talk yeah. about? Do you not think this is what this country needs now? You look at America, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, they wanted something different. Do you not think now, listening to you speak, would you want to be prime minister? Well, I tried twice. Well, <laughs> well you know, I stood to be again? leader of the Labour Party. I, th- I think that ship has sailed from my point of view. Why? I mean, I because I think there's only so many times, isn't there, you can sort of put yourself forward. And you know, I, I have tried that. And I'm now doing something, doing something different. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't thrive in that world in the end, Westminster. I, I kind of did my best to succeed within it, but it was never my world. Does it not need change in that? Because I, I watch it on telly and I see like Prime Minister's Question Time or ever speaks, and it, it's like a playground at school. How does yeah. anything get done? One nobody says. So say the Prime Minister's speaking, everyone jumps in and starts giving it some, and nobody says what she should do. Everyone just picks fault in everything else, yeah. and nobody's got a plan of how to do it. Well, the place is built for that, though, isn't it? If you look at the way the place is physically constructed, you've got two rows of yeah. green benches staring each other out. Mm. You know, I'd say to you, if, like me, I used to have to spend all day in the Commons some days. If you're spending your whole day staring at Boris Johnson, you get to a point where you want to, you kind of want to, <laughs> you want to go out and do, <laughs> yeah. do something, take a. A bit of a swing. So, you know, I mean, that's the way it is. It's built for point scoring. Yeah. The, the, the House of Commons is built uh, around point scoring, not around solving issues. It's built around division. And I think this is the thing that Matthew was saying before. You know, I lived through that era where it was a bit more to the centre, but I think people kind of didn't like all the compromises and the idea that people weren't being true to themselves. And there's been a backlash against politicians who looked like they were just using sound bites and, mm. you know, PR and all the rest of it. So it's a... It's a real messy 
situation. Before you come in, I said, you know, I was discussing what a mayor does. You know, you're mayor of Preston. What is your mayor of Preston? <laughs> well, I used to know mayor. He yeah. used to work behind bar. I did a bit of DJ with Clint Boone last week, so I, we all yeah. had a bit of a sideline. Yeah, 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 the yeah. mayor now of Manchester. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's four mayors now, isn't there? Is it Birmingham, London, Liverpool and Manchester who've got, like my mayor would open fates with the big chain around his neck, yeah. you know, and he was like a, a friend, <laughs> as yours was. But your mayor, there's four mayors who were different. Yeah. So people listening to podcasts who know what Mayor of Manchester does or Mayor of Liverpool, what's your specific role now? Well, mine's unique because Greater Manchester has got a devolution deal. So we took a lot of power from Westminster to this level. So I've got National Health Service within my world. Uh, I'm the Police and Crime Commissioner. Um, fire Service, Transport. Don't mention the trains again because I don't run the trains. <laughs> the train, uh, oh. You know, housing, homelessness I'm dealing with. So... I've actually got quite Lord a... Works. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, don't mention them either. Uh, <laughs> some potholes. Not <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking having to change my car. Mate, <laughs> he's got to change his Lamborghini, his Ferrari. Oh! Hello, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's happy with the potholes. I didn't know cricket paid that well. Yeah, 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 yeah. 10 years, yeah. it? <laughs> and obviously, you know, as we spoke, you're a massive Everton fan. Yeah. Massive Everton fan. Going back how many years? Oh, all my life. As long as I can remember. And uh, I tell you, it was a little bit hard... Uh, going to the Etihad on Saturday, there were a few comments aimed in my direction was as there? I was walking in. Yeah, yeah. But Everton are doing well this year, largely with the word "scouse" in them somewhere. Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 Michael Silver's doing brilliantly well. He is. Every... Same win percentage though as Big Sam. You weren't a big fan of. I certainly wasn't. I remember arguing with you about about that. Um, no, but all of his signings are good. They're all good. And you know, look at Dina, the left back, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Richarlison surprised everybody. I think everybody. I think you were on six or six, calling Benjamin. that a bad signing, weren't you, Robbie? Yeah. No, he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's as ever though. We've had a many a false dawn over Goodison, and I'm just hoping this isn't another one. But he one, started really well. One more thing I'd like to speak about, as Andy's mentioned, is homelessness. You've mentioned. I was asking one question before we finish. Yeah, of course. What should this, right, Brexit looming? Yeah. What should people be thinking of doing? What What should be the mood of the country towards it? What What like for people listening and hearing all these skirt stories about all three options, yeah. what what should they be doing? What should we be thinking? Well, it seems like booking holidays and things, all that kind well, of just thing. Just in general, because you hear all these things about passport, em yeah, employment. Passport. Well, we're going into Christmas with a economy. lot of uncertainty, yeah. aren't we, hanging over the country? And I think businesses don't really know where they're working yet, Fred, to be honest. I, I, you know, we're, we're all a bit in the dark. What should people be doing? I would say write to your MP and demand that they come together and come up with a solution. Is it now the time where, fine, everyone's got different parties, but now it's the time where everyone now has just got to do the best, whatever that may be, for the country? I think and so. at the minute, I'm not seeing that. I honest. think so. And I still think it's a, a deal that has a stronger customs arrangement. That's what I think is, yeah. is at this moment in time, the best thing that we could yeah. uh, we could get. The, the only thing is, though... Because the backstop it, 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 falls it, away in that. But it's, it's a, it, it, I, you hear it, don't you, on Question Time every week. Someone says, why doesn't everyone come together and we can come up with a... But the thing is, with this issue, there are genuine disagreements about what is the best thing for the country. And they're completely irreconcilable. There are some people in the... House of Commons, who think that a hard Brexit is the best thing for the country. There are but, others who think that... Well, they, 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 Matthew, are so a they minority. Are, they're a, but they're yeah. a minority also who want to have a second referendum. Why did David, so why did David Cameron then take a vote? What was, what was well, wrong because the he was worried that 
Was he worried about his job or was he worried about the country? I think that he took a tactical decision that at the time, Nigel Farage in UKIP was a lot of votes from the right wing of the Conservative Party. I thought it was a tactical decision. So so tactical means... Well, he thought that he would win the referendum. So he's thinking about himself? He he thought that... I don't know, I'm asking the question. I think so. I think he he was under pressure from the right wing of his own party. Uh, and he think he could give them that as a concession, but he would then still win the referendum. So that is, he was, yeah, it was nice. tactical manoeuvring within yeah. the Tory party, yeah. Yeah. who were all saying to him going into the 2015 election, we're losing votes to UKIP. That's right. We need a stronger line. We need a referendum. What about And him? he gave into it and he shouldn't have given into it. The old UKIP man who sold us down and just walked off. <laughs> yeah, well, Nigel was... Farage. What, what about him? He's yeah, like... where's he gone? He's on LBC, isn't he? Yeah, he's he, a radio. He, he just walked off at the end of it, didn't he? But he's still in the European Parliament, isn't he? Uh, I think he is, technically, isn't he? So all but... these people who were all arguing it or saying it should be a Brexit have all gone, most of, most of them? Pretty much. Well, uh, Os- how can that Osborne, be right, Cameron, though? Cameron, well, well, And now you've got Osborne. You, you, uh, Does Osborne well, now hammer, hammer Theresa May in the paper? He's not personally keen on her, is he? They had a lot of animals at it, the two he? of them. Reese Mogg. But these people, you know, they Did you see a... Peter Reid's tweet about Jacob Reese Mogg? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Pretty... I've seen Gary Lineker and Peter Shilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shilton, yeah. Michael Vaughan. Oh, what did Michael Vaughan do? Donald Trump, he was. He said he wants a Donald Trump type leader, which Gabby Logan just told him. Oh, she did. Did he? I didn't see that. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, grab but that. I think but on, <laughs> on, on the homelessness, Fred, um, I know this is something that you yeah, and your, yeah, I think yeah. your son went and tried to yeah, help out. Rob, we were talking before you came on, so yep. it's a good way to finish. Yep. Um, should you give money to people who are asking for money on the streets, or is there a risk that if you do that, they might be drug addicts, they might go and spend their money on drugs? What is the sensible thing for somebody who cares about this and wants to be compassionate to actually do? It, there's no easy answer. To it, and I think it's down to every individual. Um, of course, if you give them some money, it's possible that they might, you know, use it in a way that that helps. It's also possible that it, it may end up going on drink, drugs, something like that, and then may not actually help them move move forward. So, but then you could argue, maybe, well, that's better than them just being miserable. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a really complicated question. But what we would say generally, it's better to give um, to. Uh, Recognise funds that are trying to put in place support for people yeah, strategy. to move away yeah. from the streets. Yeah. It's what, what's, Money, the, what's yeah. the long-term plan? Because yeah. I've walked yeah. around Manchester, as I've done Birmingham, Liverpool, and there's more and more homeless people. And it's fine, give them a few quid, but surely getting to the root of the problem, yeah. Yeah. which is the hardest thing to do, to try like prevention yeah. better than yeah. cure, is that right? It is. No, you're absolutely right. So our scheme that we've got, a bed every night, is about giving people somewhere permanent where they can be every night. Because it's only when your basic needs are being met every day that you can start to think about moving forward in your life. Yeah. You know, if you're in and out and you're around the streets, you're not going to be able to to kind of change or, or face up to the addiction that you've got or the mental health problem or whatever it whatever it might be. So you're right, that that is that's what we need. And I have to raise money. I haven't got enough money to pay for a bed every night just through public funds. So over this winter, we needed to raise about two million quid. Wow! And Just to get through the winter. Yeah, yeah. To pay for a bed every night. Um, That's housing how many people? Uh, so at the moment, there's about two hundred people every night in in our accommodation. So the cost of that obviously yeah. racks up. What? You know, Vincent Company, great yeah, man, dedicating his testimonial year to help us. You know, we're getting loads of support, but I can't do it through public budgets alone. But we're trying to build the system that you're that you're. Because yeah, I just saw in Hull, in Hull there was a story where. They tried to get 
14 twin rooms on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and booked in at a hotel. And then when they found out it was homeless people, the hotel won't let the booking. Really? Which... It's tough. It is, I mean, it's, it's a tough it's one. It's a really yeah. tough you've issue. You've been on your walk this morning. You've... I have, yeah. I have, Robbie. Um, and it's always a difficult thing to do. You know, it's it's, it's hard because I think how many did I see? I mean, there's about 20, 25 people. I mean, overall, the numbers are, we think, coming down here because we're giving more people uh, a place to go. But it's still really, really tough. And, you know, there's more and more people coming onto the streets. The quicker as we help people off, the others are coming on. So it's a real challenge. And here's something that links back to our earlier discussion. It's like the country's focus isn't on it either. You know, I feel like I'm battling it alone at times. Parliament is so consumed by Brexit that things are going wrong on our streets and actually we aren't facing up to them properly. So it's a, yeah, it's a really tough issue. But here we're, we've got this approach that is showing signs of working. Andy... Thank you so much thank for coming you all. today. It's been a fascinating Brilliant. discussion. Apologies for Matthew. <laughs> Speaking differently. <laughs> thank you, guys, and thank you for listening. A big thank you. You can download all the shows we've done today from the BBC Five Live website and all the usual podcast places. Please use the hashtag FredSavSide and get in touch through the week. If you could leave a review on iTunes and give us a rating, that would be great. We'll be back next week, but for now, from all of us, goodbye. Flintoff Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. Thank you for downloading this Flintoff Savage and the Ping Pong Guy podcast. Make sure you subscribe to receive the latest episodes automatically to your device every single week. And if you like this, then why not have a look at what else Five Live has to offer at bbc.co.uk forward slash Five Live. Great podcasts deserve a great platform. That's why Pocket Cast delivers a beautifully designed, simple, but powerful experience that offers more control. It's the premium app for podcast listening, search, and discovery. And it's now free. Download Pocket Cast today at pocketcast.com or find us in the Apple app or Google Play stores. 